Welcome to Up Next. I'm Gabrielle Boucher, millennial author and entrepreneur. Each week, I bring to you next generation leaders and millennial game changers to inspire you to change your world. Let's see what's next. Hey everyone, it is Gabrielle, and today we are talking to Jonathan Seidel, who is the editor-in-chief of IamSecond.com. Now, if you're not familiar with IamSecond, it is an incredible website where it features the stories and testimonies of people who've been transformed by an experience with God. And I want to have Jonathan come on and talk about his experience as he's grown into a young professional himself, kind of those trials, those challenges of finding himself, finding his story, and finding his impact. So Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Gabby. I I know you go by Gabrielle now. You can call me John. I'll call you Gabby. It's just, I just have to. We're too, we're too good of friends. This is true. I should probably have done a little bit of background. So before we jumped on, uh, John and I were talking about how we we met actually on our on a trip to Israel about a year ago. And thanks to Facebook reminding us of what we were doing a year ago, it was like a year ago, you were, you know, hanging out with Seidel by the Sea of Galilee. And I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah that happened. It seems yeah. so normal now. Right. And at that point, you weren't married. We were talking about this guy, Brian. I remember, I think we were coming either to or from Capernaum, which was like, you know, Paul, you know, supposed to be like Paul or Peter's, I think, hometown. And um, and we were talking about this guy, Brian, and, and everything, and now you're married to him. It's crazy. And we were <laughs> talking about your little baby on the way, and apparently she's just starting to walk. So Yeah, that's crazy. It's a, scary. A ton actually happens in, in a year. That's mm-hmm. that's for sure. But also for you, I mean, you've been in a huge year of transition. So before you started your job here at, at I Am Second, you were the managing editor over at TheBlaze.com, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'd been there for about five years. Um, was the first writing hire. Um, got in on the ground floor as we decided, hey, let's 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 start some something that um, really treats media differently. Um, that can still be, you, you know, um, have a conservative worldview, not conservative bias, and. Um, can still be true to journalistic principles. And I think it's worked pretty well. So what has that been like for you? I mean, you were literally the first writing hire. That is yeah. huge. So coming in and being a part of a startup doing, you know, internet television where no one had really been doing that in a strong way before. What what was that like for you guys? Yeah, so the, it, it was funny. It's the, actually the internet TV came even a couple of years after. Um, when I was brought on, it was really for the writing component um, and starting the or the website. And so you know, it's it's interesting. People kind of you know. I know that I, in my mind, will can glamorize startups, and I and and I love them, and I still love being a part of them, and and I left the blaze to kind of chase that startup mentality. But it's also a good reminder that when we do get into it, sometimes it can be um, messy, and you're working. You know, I don't even I don't even want to put a number on the days that you're working because that's just like you're not. You're never not working, right? You're always on call. You're always doing something. There's always one more story to write. Um, but I think for me, and especially I think our generation, um, the way I was raised in a family business, um, it was just always go, go, go. And so 
my philosophy has always just kind of been to out, outwork people, right? And so um, it, I was the first writing hire. There was uh, another writer that would work at night and I would work during the day. But I was always just, you know, a friendly competition to always write more stories and do more um, in one hour. I'd put a timer on and say, how many stories can I write in one hour, you know? And my boss would get on and say, wow, you what? How many stories did you write? Um, so that's that's kind of what it was like in the beginning. And, and you know, the first day, um, I think we were looking to do um, – like like a hundred thousand page views or something in the first month, and we got a hundred thousand page views in the first day, and wow. it, so literally from day one we knew we had something special. Um, we knew there was there was something here, and so from then on it just skyrocketed. So you were really part of part of that team and really committing yourself, and so then you ended up leaving theblaze.com, and now you're over with. I am second doing something similar and helping grow something from the ground up. It sounds like you're kind of addicted to startups. Side-o. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I am. I mean, it's it, it's funny because, um, you know, I, I felt myself getting um, a little restless at, the, at, at towards the end of my tenure at The Blaze just because, you know, I'd kind of grown it to what I felt like I thought I could grow it to with, with my skills and abilities, which, by the way, I think um, – is especially for young millennials out there like we need to understand um even though we're fearless and even though a lot of us are entrepreneurial entrepreneurial and you know wanting to do everything um, we have to recognize our own limitations because the best leaders are the ones who say hey i'm good at x and y but i'm not good at z and so i need to hire someone to do z or i'm gonna just specialize in x and y and and, and that's okay so you know, when I got to the end of my tenure at The Blaze, I, I said, you know, I'm just really kind of craving that startup mentality, that startup culture again, that that go, go, go. Um, but then also on the other side of it, having been in 24-7 news for five years, um, having a young baby, um, I was like, I, I was a little bit ready not to be on call, you know, 24 hours a day on the weekends. <laughs> and so I would say those two things together contributed to it. And we're doing great. I mean, we've um, we've grown traffic to, to, to heights and cons- I would say consistent heights that the organization has never seen. Um, and we've we've increased traffic every month compared to a year prior. Um, I just checked the numbers yesterday. We're you know, we're, we're already on track to. Um, break February's numbers from last year, so it's just it you know it's going really well, and and you're right, I'm I'm kind of addicted to that. Well, also too, I think one one theme I've also seen in your life, but I know because I know you is you're you're addicted to impact. I mean, you're not going to go and you're not going to work for anyone or work with anyone who doesn't have have that drive, have that passion and know that there's something bigger that if you're going to be working 60, 80 hours a week, it's, it's gotta be because you're changing the world. And, and there's that ultimate kind of passion that, that drives you. Would you say that that's pretty accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, before I left the blaze and, and before I joined I'm second, I was actually, um, offered a job, um, at an ad agency for, um, double the salary that I was making at the blaze. I mean, I would have, you know, my wife would not have had to work. Like we would have been set. It would have been great. Um, uh, but 
the trade-off was um, I had to work 80 hours a week and not just 80 hours a week, I should say. It was kind of like um, the expectation, which I'm glad the agency set this expectation, by the way, um, uh, so I knew up front. Um, but the expectation was, hey, if, if, if you don't want to, if, if you can't work on the weekends, just let us know. You know, if you need to do something on the weekend that you have planned, let us know. But other, otherwise, you know, your expectation is to be in the office. And so I just said, you know what, here's the funny thing about me, and, and I'm sure there's other people out there that feel this way. I love exceeding expectations, okay? And so I knew about myself that a i could not exceed those expectations you know like there's no way i could i could exceed those expectations but two if i'm going to be working that hard if i'm going to be putting that much time in there i just feel like there does have to be a bigger reason for it and so um when i came to i am, se I am second i knew i would have to still put a lot of hours in a different kind of requirements and a different set of hours than being in 24 7 news but still a lot of hours and a lot of thinking you know i'm i'm doing stuff at night i'm thinking about things and um trying to read ra you know everything I can get my hands on um, now that I'm in an even a higher management position. But the fact that I'm impacting people, and especially for something I believe so strongly in, in faith and, and the transformational power of, um, of Christ, like, yes, I'm willing to do that. So we've been talking a lot about what you do at I Am Second, but do you want to share with the listeners here just a brief snippet of what I Am Second is and what your guys' purpose is? Yeah. So you probably, you, you and, and, and your listeners probably know us a lot for the short films we, we have done, right? So we've done short films on everyone from um, Scott Hamilton, the skater, to Bethany Hamilton, the, uh, the, the pro surfer that had her arm bitten off by a shark, to Josh Hamilton, um, from, from the baseball player that, you know, is still now just on that journey of transformation. And so... Um, those are what we've always been known for. But really, as we grow, what we're trying to do is say, okay, how do we take these films and have a greater impact, not just on the three minutes, the five minutes, the 12 minutes that it takes for you to look at the film, um, but what do you do after? And what happens, you know, because uh, I'm, I'm going to break this to some people, like when Josh Hamilton or when Scott Hamilton or when the Robertsons do their film, they don't pay to have their film done, right? They don't give us money and say, hey, thanks for making my film. You know, here's $50,000, you know, like that, that comes all of, uh, out of our pockets and we're a nonprofit. So, you know, we have to come up with that money. And so the idea now is that um, in between those times where it takes to make a film that is costly um, and so you can't make too many of them in a year, you know, how are we touching people? How are we starting conversations about spiritual and important aspects of life. And so now the focus is, you know, we're always going to do the films, but can we start putting out um, written content that is engaging, that is thought-provoking, that is really just real and raw and honest? We just got done doing a series on, and you know, a, a girl who has struggled with depression, who has struggled with suicidal thoughts and attempts, um, and actually, will be <clears throat> just wrote something for us about um, you know a letter to Ronda Rousey, right? Like who who said, 
hey, I contemplated suicide after my loss right. to Holly Holm, right? And so, like, those are the things we're trying to have conversations about. Let's be real. Let's be raw. I shared my own struggle. I was diagnosed with OCD and anxiety about two years ago. And so um, I never thought I would share that when I was hired here. But but the culture around the office is let's be real. And so that's where we're kind of moving to. You'll start to see some longer films from us, not just the short films. Um uh, and so, you know, those are the kind of things we're moving into. So you're saying truth or dare wasn't a part of your hiring process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like how raw can you actually be with us right now? Uh, yeah. But I think you make an incredible point here, though, is is I think as a society, but even more so as a generation, we are so so done with the fake we're done with with the plastic and that everything's okay and you know bless you and praying for you but there but nothing's actually happening and so you guys are taking a very serious and even disruptive approach to sharing what life is really like as we are all kind of working out the salvation that we have and i'm glad that you brought up your own story that you you printed i mean it was it was incredible, and I really encourage, um, and I'll include it in the show notes, your your story, but how raw and authentic you were willing to be. And I find it interesting that in a society where we're all, you know, we have a million Facebook friends and, you know, thousands of Twitter followers who we may never actually know or meet. So sometimes the internet can give us a sense of anonymity that's very powerful, but then it can also give us a sense of incredible loneliness. And so how are you guys as not only a website, but really a movement and a community reaching out to people and building bonds and and actually measuring change and decisions people are making? Yeah, so it's a great point. And it's something that that I've kind of long thought about when um, I went to college in New York City and I had a great, excuse me, admissions counselor who said, listen, you're going to come to a city of 8 million people, and it's it's a city of 8 million people that's the loneliest 8 million people city you'll ever be in. And it's true because, you know, yeah, there's so many people around you, but you can also be just a face in the crowd, you know. Um, <clears throat> so so as we kind of move into this, this expanded era, we're putting ourselves out there more. So as a practical example, we are – We've joined Warp Tour, which Warp Tour is the biggest, you know, rock um, uh, traveling festival in the world, right? And it goes to every every major city, little cities too, and um, and we just set up a booth. And guess what? We don't we don't we don't preach to people. We don't um, you, you know we're not standing out there handing out tracks. What we're doing is um, we're offering people a place to charge their iPhones. <laughs> And and then we'll hey, just when talk. you're a millennial, that's I mean that's right. ministry right there. <laughs> like and you just and, saved my life, <laughs> right? And it's solar powered, so it's green, so like everyone loves us even more. Um, and so you know, and then we're just saying, hey, you know, people. If, and if people ask us what's I am second, then we'll just start a conversation and and just pray that it goes wherever it needs to go. Um, but you know that's so that's one way we're out there. We're trying to be present. Um, and here's the thing, Gabby, like you won't see us at, you know, a Hillsongs concert. You won't see us at, you know, uh, you know, Christian festivals because that's not where we're trying to reach people, right? We, there are definitely broken 
Christians and broken people in church. And I, and I would contend that the definition of a Christian is not someone who's healed, but someone who just recognizes that they're broken and where they need to um, find healing. Um, but what we're trying to do is kind of expand that reach and reach people who don't have that hope yet. Um, and, 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 and in that process, we understand that Christians um, will be affected and will be brought in and, and you know, find hope. Um, and that's, that's awesome. So that's kind of a practical way we're doing it. So one thing that you have just really been drawn to in, in all of this I'm noticing is just this idea of storytelling yeah. and the power and the impact of relaying personal events and and personifying an emotion or a journey. And what role has storytelling played in your own career? And now as your role as editor-in-chief at I Am Second, you're able to actually amplify kind of your passion for telling not only your story, but the story of so many others. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. You know, I, I think as a as a young writer, right, you know, everyone reads Gay Talese or, you know, and, and, you know, and says, you know, I'm going to have like this, 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 this awesome life statement, you know, and for so long, you know, I'll be honest, I like try, what's my life statement, you know, what's my writer's statement? And it's kind of one of those things, like when you sit down and you try to come up with it, it never comes. Um, but as I was at the blaze and as one of the things I really love doing is teaching, you know, so I love just teaching people new skills, you know, helping them see, you know, how to tell a story. Um, and so one of the things I caught myself saying a lot, right, was to, to my reporters that I was over, I was saying, guys, don't write articles, tell stories, right? Even if it's a boring, boring topic, you can tell a story in that and make it engaging, right? And so as I, as I, as I kept saying that and finding myself saying that, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's my writing statement, right? Like this is, this is what I'm about. It's, you know, so my advice and what I, I really feel is, um, especially to writers, is don't write articles, tell stories. And so um, the power of story, Gabby, if you think about it, is one of the most ancient forms of communication. Before there was written word, there were stories. And whether you're uh, uh, a person of, of a Christian faith or any other faith, you can trace back a lot of those um, beliefs to key stories, right? So for Christianity, you have the story of creation. Um, and then you just follow all these kind of this meta narrative throughout the Bible. And it's a, it's a large story. And so those started, you know, you know, mouth to mouth, and now we get to write them down. But I kind of like people to imagine is, how would you tell this story if you didn't write it, and then write that story, <laughs> you know, um, because people connect at personal points, right? And so when we've been thinking about, hey, how are we going to expand this writing thing? Um, you know, we have contributors. You know, what would an ideal contribution look like going forward, right? And so so um, the person that works with me, her name is Caitlin. She's great. Um, we kind of came up with, with some very basic principles, and they are if it's personal – first person, you know, tells about a personal experience or struggle, that is what people connect with. Um, 
And I think we've seen everyone, you know, practically has probably seen that in their lives. So for our listeners, can you outline kind of the three or four major pivot points of a great story? I mean, we all know stories that sucks and stories that are terrible and we'll walk out of a movie and we're like, wow, that that character wasn't really developed or wow, you know, saw that one coming. Uh, but what going into it would be helpful for whether you're you know, a young professional looking to pitch yourself to a potential employer or you're trying to pitch your company or, hey, you're just trying to pitch yourself for a date. Um, what are what are the standards that we should keep in mind for our own personal storytelling? Yeah, I think great question. And here's the three things I would say. One, think about it through the term I. Now, you know, we've been drilled in to our heads. There's no I in team, you know, don't think about yourself. But I think when it comes to um, storytelling, it's if you talk about I and you and how you feel or how you reacted, you know, you know, you, know, you can't argue with my personal experience. You can argue with my conclusion. You can't argue with my personal experience, right? And so by using I, you're trying to break down some of the, well, that's not true, you know? I think the second thing is how, how am I as a writer, where's our connection point, right? So if, if you look back to um, uh, the story that I wrote about my own personal struggle and kind of coming out with anxiety and OCD, right? You know, I, there, there's, there's a point in there where I talk about, listen, I'm tired. I'm tired right now. It's 3.15, right? But I'm not tired because it is 3.15. I'm tired because I take medication, right? And I took my medication late today. So everyone can relate to being tired at 3.15. That was one of my connection points with my audience, right? But the turn was, yeah, but I'm tired for a different reason, okay? So right now then, so I'm, I'm talking about my personal experience. I'm, 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 I have this connection point, and there are several others throughout the article. And then the, the last thing I would say is, what does it mean, right? So, you know, I'm kind of talking about this in writing terms, but I think these can apply, like you said, to other aspects. But what does it mean, right? So I'm sitting there. Um, this was um, last week. Um, I, I'm an avid viewer of The Bachelor, <laughs> and I love that show. It's one of my guilty pleasures. Um, and it's a judgment-free zone, so thank you, it's okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, you know, Earlier this year, um, one of um, the contestants on that show committed suicide, right? And so it, this was one of those things where I sat there and I heard that news and I thought, I need to write something about this, but I don't know what to write, okay? And so I got kind of through the eye, I got through the connection points, and I thought, you know, I, if you end it there, there's nothing, right? Well, why is there nothing? Because I, I haven't explained what what I think this means, right? Now there is where people can kind of argue with you, uh, and that's why I, I, you know, I try to stay on topics that I think are much more meaningful. Um, but so, what does this mean? And so I talked about, you know, this 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 young woman's suicide. The unfortunate part, besides obviously the suicide, was that there was a paragraph in a story that was told about her death that said something to the effect of if you look at her Instagram account, she was looked like she was having a great time. She had a lot of friends and there was no indication that she would commit suicide. And yeah, that was I read that. 
Yeah, that's what hit me, right? Like so, that's somehow a reflection of the right. state of our of our human nature as well. You know, she takes a lot of happy selfies and, right. you know, she looks like she's having a great time on social media. Right. So then, the, so then the point of the article, the what does it mean, is exactly what you just said, right? Is that, you know, A, let's not be fake on Facebook. Let's not be fake on Insta. Let's not be fake on Twitter. But B, like... Let's also not pretend that just because I'm seeing a lot of happy selfies of you, Gabby, that that like I don't I don't treat you as like a real person and and want to get to know you and be involved in your life because I know, hey, this is Gabby's first year of marriage, right? Like I'm sure there are some interesting conversations that we can have about that, and things aren't always roses. And hey, John, this is your first year as a dad. I'm sure you're posting a lot of pictures that are, you know, of a smiling baby. But you know, what about how are you and your wife doing? You, you know what I mean? Like, so let's not pretend that our our social media lives are 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 all of our lives, right? So that's kind of how I would sum it up. I make it personal connect with your audience how are you connecting with who you're talking to you have, where are those connection points and then to you what does whatever you're talking about what does it mean that is awesome so i i want to close out our time together with two questions that i ask all the guests mm-hmm. uh, the the first question is what are you most excited about in the future um, what do you see kind of on the horizon for our generation and what do we have coming next so I think what I am excited about, okay, is, um, and this is not this is not an indictment of any place that I have worked or where I do work, right? Um, I'm speaking, uh, you know, more generally here. But what I'm excited about is, I I met with a fellow millennial this week um, in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, the guy is just excited has so many ideas and I think that's what that's what I'm excited about right is our generation is bringing to a table less bureaucracy less red tape more creativity you know hey let's not just talk about something and have five meetings and a meeting about a meeting let's do something right and let's you know let's let's take down the barriers and so I think that our that's that's on the horizon that or that's what I'm excited for for our generation and 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 I think similarly that's what I see coming right I see this um, this wave of you know young people um, who are really going to start making a difference you know as technology advances and we're able to use technology you know, to further that creativity. I just think it's, it's going to be awesome, but I will say this, and I, I kind of want to, um, you know, add this word of caution, right? And I know you probably speak, um, you speak a lot to, to business people about how to understand millennials. Um, but one thing I want to impress upon millennials is how to understand, you know, those, those people of the previous generation, right? And that sometimes, um, I think we can come across as even though we're just excited and it's not meant to be anything, right? Is 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 they're used to the red tape, right? And they're used to that, and I think they've become comfortable with that. And so, well, I think we need to break that down. There also is a a a element of of telling the truth, but with grace. And I know sometimes I just get frustrated, and I'm like, why do I have to beat around the bush? 
here's I'm just gonna tell it the way it is, just, right? I'm just and, gonna be honest with you. I mean, right? You, you'd right. want me to be honest with you, right? And they're <laughs> right. like, not that honest, right? Exactly. And so we're used to it, right? Because that's how we we talk to each other. We're you know, um, but you know, I, I would just say, hey, let's let's understand that that obviously not everyone, especially people that we work with, were raised in this generation and with this mindset. And so let's change the world. Let's change the culture. Um, but not, let's also not be so um, focused on that, that we're willing to sacrifice casualties because of it. So good. So good. All right. Last question. And I swear it's not as intellectual as, as the last one. But so, John, if the 12-year-old version of you were to meet you, hang out with you, see what you do every day, what would he think about what you do for a living? So, can I just say something? I thought you said if the – at first I thought you said if the 12-year-old virgin of me, and I'm like, well, that would have been true too. So, <laughs> um, But I, I think you would think this is cool, right? Like I was just this week, you know, and, and I don't say this in a – like a, a – a boasting way because I was sitting there pinching myself the whole time but just through because because of my job because of the writing that I do um, I went backstage at the Grand Ole Opry I you know stood in the square where Patsy Klein and Vince Gill and Rascal Flatts and yeah you know, I saw that on your people. Facebook and I was right, like, like dude that's awesome <laughs> I'm like on this legendary stage I'm in the, their dressing room of Porter Wagner like it's just this is this is incredible stuff. Like this is cool, and um, like I'm never washing my left hand again. This yeah. is amazing. I actually like got down and kissed like the Grand Ole Opry stage because I'm a country music fan. Like it was awesome. Um, so I think 12 year old John would think this is really cool. Um, I but I think probably would be a little surprised because 12 year old John never wanted to grow up to be a writer. Um, and never saw that as a possibility. 12-year-old John was um, kind of just starting to really get into government um, and those type of things. And I think 12-year-old John to even 18-year-old John always thought that John was going to be the press secretary of the United States, and that was John's goal. And now John's a writer. The whole purpose is of impact, and you're you're definitely doing that. Well, um, John, I just want to acknowledge you for your willingness to push past the stereotypes, to disrupt everything, but most of all, just to be raw and authentic, for not being afraid of of what it looks like for you to put yourself out there, because you know that there are lives out there that need to be touched and lives out there that need to be changed. And uh, I just really want to thank you for that. And thanks for joining me and, and my listeners today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, I, I want to affirm you. I mean, I think you're obviously, um, uh, I would say you're kind of like a godmother in this area, Gabby. And, uh, and so keep doing what you're doing too. Cool. Thank you.